Okay, gang, week four of, yeah, social distancing, quarantine situation. Are we, are we all actually going crazy at this point? Well, I mean, like, are you or? No, my goodness. Bit aggro, dear Kay. What? No, like, you just thought it'd be kind of good to, like, start with Sarah for a change. Like, no, like, we never, like, she always starts with us and we don't really get a chance to, like, hear what's going on with her no it's really sounded like you were pissed off to her fam shit like my sister said the same thing to me the other day like i just asked her to move because like i wanted to make some tea and she yeah she said that it sounded like i wanted to like eat her face or something do you think like maybe you could be forgetting about social cues and stuff from like being inside so long like kind of i think it's more that like i'm regressing to age 10 or something like like remember during like the summer holidays in like primary school and stuff and you'd be inside for like three months oh, yeah. wow. no. what you guys didn't go to like the grail doctor like summer camps or anything uh, or just like hang around outside the maxall or like on a wall by the football pitch or something like you know normal people i uh, know i wasn't cool enough to like sit on the electrical box outside the, the news agents in town oh that's sad, Clay. No, no, like, it's fair enough. Like, I had no business hanging around with them, you know. They they needed people with, like, older brothers that could, like, buy them drink and stuff or, like, had an interest in engaging in sex acts in the nun's graveyard and I just, I just didn't. What was it about the graveyard? Like, I, yeah, I don't get that. I still don't get it all these years later. One, yeah, one year later. I was going to say, it was, it was like last year, we were in school last year. But like, you know, I think that like the the gravestones were like pretty tall and stuff, like especially like the really old ones from like the 18th century and stuff. Decent cover, you know. Katie? What? It's fairly specific knowledge there, Katie. But actually, before we get into that, graveyards? Really? Oh, Yeah, what's with you as country people? Like, it's all we had, Chloe, graveyards and, you know boozing in a field so like you had a quickie in a graveyard as well this is insanity i didn't have a quickie in a graveyard jesus but you did have a something yes sir yes let's keep up that line of questioning did you have a something sarah <laughs> like like no like it's, oh, it's such a stupid story it does not sound stupid sarah sex acts and graveyards is well better than me talking about how i you know tried to soundproof my bedroom with kylie's teddies um that sounds incredibly interesting well i suppose it is yeah but like the thing is that's kind of the whole story like ma was giving out about me playing like too much music too loud and all but like how else am i gonna learn like all damn dance routines like you'd think she'd understand that right so like i thought most of the sound was like kind of leaking out around the space around the door like you know where you can kind of see the light coming in from the hallway you know you know like that so i stole like a load of kylie's like hello kitty teddies you know how much is, like, a load? Well, like, a few of them were, like, real big, so, like, I didn't need that many. I don't know. Twenty? Tw- How many does she have? I hear don't even. Their wardrobe has, like, no room for clothes in it or nothing anymore. Like, it's mostly for Hello Kitty storage. Like, she's a mad joke. But, yeah, anyway, I got them all back to the room and, like, mask and taped them, like, all round the door. And, like, I had myself a good old-fashioned dance-off after with me main man, Jane. You know, I have to work my way up to, like, J-Hope eventually. But I'm starting at the lower end of the spectrum. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Did that that make sense to you? Well, no, not really. But, like, I'm being supportive. <laughs> Who won the dance-off? Well, like, 
chin, obviously, but like I didn't forget no moves this time. So like that's a win. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, my mouth wasn't giving out to me or anything, and I was all like, oh, oh my god, I'm after like totally cracking this problem. Like I'll be able to practice twelve hours a day, just like my boys right there. Dude, you have classes. Just like my boys right there. But you know, then it was dinner time, and um, ah, yeah, I couldn't. Uh, couldn't open me door, could I? Oh, that's, that's sad. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, taped the door closed and uh, my goujons were all cold and I'm fairly sure half eaten. There were definitely more on that plate before I got down there. But yeah, by the time I, I got it open and, and uh, yeah, made it downstairs. That might be the saddest story I've ever heard. I, I'm not going to lie, Clay. It was, it was devastating. Which is exactly why I need to hear about Sarah committing sex acts in a local graveyard when she that was in school. I mean, not come, what happened. That is not what happened. Oh, wait, wait, it's what I'm going to be telling people uh, until you set me straight. Oh my God, it's like it's barely even a story. It's still, indulge me, go on. Oh my God, okay, fine. So like, yeah, whatever. I was in school and like there was a group of, I don't know, four of us that hung out together. And like, yeah, we met in like junior infants or whatever. And we were mates the whole way up through like primary school and secondary school to like sixth year. And yeah, it was cool. We'd hang out in each other's houses, make up stories and games and stuff, you know, standard kid stuff. Oh, that's so nice. I'm not hearing about any exposed genitals <sighs> here, Sarah. Oh, oh, Why would Jesus. you say that? That is, oh, okay. <sighs> Jesus. So... We got to, there are no exposed genitals in this story, by the Aww. way. You are just going to have to deal with that club. <laughs> so yeah, we got to sixth year and the other girls kind of started going to this after school study thing. Uh, it was kind of expensive, so I didn't go. Uh, I didn't like think it was that necessary. It was always like, okay, grades wise, with just like studying at home. But the thing is, the girls met this bunch of lads at this study thing because it was mixed. Oh, youth went to an all girls school? Yeah, yeah. You weren't cleaning? What was that like? Uh, like a school with guys there, Chloe. Jesus, it's not like rocket science. Are you attacking me right now because of the genitals comment? Is that what this is? Well, like, I wouldn't call it like an attack. I mean, I can do better, but yeah. Exposed genitals are not something I want to talk about on a Tuesday afternoon. But like, maybe that's why you're so very, very unhappy, Katie. I feel like it's important to point out that this tangent is giving Sarah a way out of finishing her story. Yes, yes, excellent. Shout, Sarah, excellent. Shout, Sarah, your mates are knee deep in Willie and you're at home practicing your French oral and not in the good way. Okay, go. You, you You are incredible. I am choosing to take that as the compliment it so very obviously is. But please, Sarah, continue. Oh my God, just to, just to get this over with, Jesus Christ. So um, yeah, the, the girls were like hanging out with these lads after study. And um, then, you know, when I'd see them in school or whatever, um, that was kind of all they talked about. You know, um, it was, that was kind of their their jam from then on, which, you know, it's fair enough. Like, um, but yeah, my birthday came around and they called me up and were like, oh, hey, we're hanging out with the lads tonight. Why don't you come? Wait, like how long were they going to that study thing before they like called you up to hang out um well they would have started the study thing at the start of the school year and my birthday's in march so like seven months eight months whoa no like it wasn't a big deal like the thing is i was like at home studying or gaming or whatever like because they they the girls weren't gamers like so like we didn't didn't hang out during the week that often our interests were, were pretty different then in sixth year you know you don't really hang out at the weekends at all you know that kind of all goes out the window doesn't it um yeah I, I yeah. guess yeah anyway they like they invited me out and like I was just walking around the town pretty much in the cold like pushing each other off the path and not really talking about anything it was kind of it's kind of dumb 
Um, but then suddenly, like, we were in the old graveyard. Like, like, they don't bury people there anymore. Like, that that kind of old graveyard. You know, there's a new one on the Dublin Road that they use. So, yeah, it was all crumbly and gross and old and stuff. So I didn't really kind of know why we were there. And then kind of everybody suddenly disappears, except for me and this one guy, Dom. And he's all like, oh, hey, let's go over here and have a seat. And we're on this, like, nasty, damp ground. And he, like, Ugh, tries to, like, assault me with his face and, like, put his hand up my top and stuff. So, well, that was just a bit gross. So I just sort of stood up and made up some excuse that I had to, like, I don't know, go home to babysit the little brother that I didn't have. <laughs> and then I just left. Yeah shit man did you tell your mates like like they got on to me pretty much straight away like they were texting me when I was walking home like being all like oh why was I being so stuck up and like Tom was a really nice guy and I, why was I so embarrassing and stuff it's kind of shit but like I don't know we, we'd been we'd been drifting for ages and so like yeah Jesus like but you didn't like try to set them straight like about what actually happened like he just he just went for it like no hiya my name is Dom I like Rage Against the Machine nothing like that he did like Rage Against the Machine actually <laughs> it's kind of random but anyway like and yeah I like, like knew his name like from hanging out earlier that day and stuff and the girls talking about him and stuff but like yeah I think he said something like oh can you read what it says on that gravestone and I was like trying to read it and suddenly he's like slobbering on me trying to kiss me or whatever and like grabbing my boob and stuff it was yeah not great Jesus like it's uh, and the thing is like guys don't seem to get well some guys don't seem to get that like there's pretty fine line between like that and it being like super hot and stuff like like you, if if it's mutual and like you have consent and everybody's on the same page it's like pretty awesome you know and 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 when it's not you know in a in a graveyard yeah like you know we've had that thing you know where there's like a house party and suddenly you're alone with someone yeah in the kitchen yeah we've had this conversation before we have haven't we yeah but like yeah you know you're both giving off signals you know he reaches over to you to get something out of a press and you look around at the right time and he's only like a few inches away and <laughs> you need to write that book Sarah I just I need it in my life you sounded like you were having a seizure at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no. To move on and talk about a book that has been written, Jane Austen, Mansfield Park. So, Sersha, if I'm not mistaken, we were going to combine talking about this one with talking about another novel, right? That's right. Yeah, Northanger Abbey. I I had it in my head that like Mansfield Park and Northanger Abbey were like the weaker of her novels, and that we might not have an hour's worth of stuff to talk about, you know, for either of them. But the thing is, like, once we started reading this and like talking about it and stuff, like, we found that <laughs> I was completely wrong. Like, and we definitely needed an episode on just just Mansfield Park anyway. Yeah, yeah. So like, um. Do you know, let's let's start at the start. Uh, we get started with uh, a wee summary. Um, Clo Clo, you want to redeem yourself from all this genital talk by reading a nice normal outline? Well, like, I would prefer if there were genitals. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Did you just, like, learn that word this week or something? Well, it's not so much that I learned it. It's more I remembered it. Like, I was looking to cast um, Netflix onto the telly and, like, because I had to watch more Crash Landing on Me. Crash Landing on Me? Crash Landing on You? Crash Landing on You? Crash Landing on You. Um On the telly. And there was this old Simpsons episode on and they were talking about, yeah, genitals. On it, what? Don't engage. Don't, 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 don't engage. Don't, we'll just move on. Chloe, read, read the thing. Well, like now, usually I would have a problem with you cutting across me like that, Katie. But you know, in the interest of time and you know, the interest of how amazing I am, um, I will read the thing. Um, okay. After her impoverished family sends her to live with her wealthy aunt and uncle at opulent Mansfield Park, Fanny 
Price finds her life forever changed by the aristocratic Bertrams and the city-dwelling Crawford twins. That was spelled wrong in the summary, so I couldn't really say it properly. That's your fault, Sarah. But is it for the better? While the others seem content to abandon what's right to further their own interests, Fanny decides to hold true to her heart a choice that will make or break her future. Mansfield Park is largely considered to be one of Jane Austen's most ambitious novels, a darkly satirical glimpse into morality and social mobility within the 19th century British class system. I suppose... I suppose it is a satire, really. Yeah, like, I, I was thinking that when I saw that summary, like, when I was reading it, I didn't really catch on to it, but I wonder, are we too youth to satire being all, oh, I am satire, here's a pointed joke. And, like, if there's a plot that's, like, genuinely interesting, like, the satire element can be a little bit more subtle and you don't notice it as much. That's a really good point. That's a really, really good point. It's, mm. It's a bit on the nose right there for this early in the show, Clay. I'm going to have to up my game, I think. <laughs> OK, but before we before we get into it, all of that, um, we do need to address something um, pretty important. Um, so as you heard in, in the summary there, the the main character's name in this book is uh, is Fanny. <laughs> and as you can hear, Chloe and, and, and Katie are having, they're having a tough time with, uh, with dealing with it. You, th- you really think it's that funny? Like, like, I'm not proud of it, man, but like... Fanny! So we... Oh, God. Oh, man. So Katie, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm fine. So we thought that the best thing would be for this pair to, uh, to pick out their favourite Fanny lines so that they could get this all out of their system before we sit down and actually talk about this uh, this excellent book. Yeah, it's, it's the only way we're going to get through it. I mean, genuinely, like it might be the only way that we can get to the end of the Like how many times are we going to have to say the word Fanny during this conversation? <laughs> okay, oh, so, so Chloe, as, as the instigator of all, as the instigator of all of this, do you want to go first? Here, I take exception to that. Okay, Katie, it's just as bad. But okay, I'm actually quite proud. I took me ages to find this. But I'm quite proud of it. There was like a league table and everything because there were so many and they were so funny. But um, okay, my one. <laughs> my one was. Okay, 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 okay. My one was. Yes, Mary. My Fanny will feel a difference indeed. A daily hourly difference in the in the being of every being who approaches her and it will be the completion of my happiness to know that I am the doer of it that I am the person to give the consequence so justly her due <laughs> you can't you just can't my fanny will feel a difference <laughs> daily nay an hourly difference Chloe and you are the doer of it, Chloe. <laughs> oh, I'm the doer of it, all right. Oh, stop, stop, Chloe, Jesus. <laughs> hey, um, Katie, what's, uh, what's your one? Okay, oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah, mine, mine was pretty, oh, mine was pretty short compared to, compared to Chloe's. Uh, mine was, um, <clears throat> come, come, mother, come, mother, you have hardly looked at your own dear Fanny, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's the simplicity the simplicity of that one is uh, yeah that's, that's a lot right the, the elegance of the fanny one oh my god 
Are you okay? Oh my god. Oh my god. That might be my favorite thing to ever happen like in the world ever. Okay. Are we all fannied out? Are we, have you been exercised of your demons? Because uh, oh, because there actually is a lot in this book that we want to get through and we're, we're pretty far into the broadcast already. So, so uh, Saoirse, uh, maybe if we get started with um, where, the, kind of who the family is and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, 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 that sounds, yeah, that sounds good. You're, um, you sure you're okay, Chloe? Yeah, yeah, I'm grand, I'm grand. It's a bit sore, but you know, you know. Yeah, it happens. From the note of your chair, happens. It's happened to me. <laughs> no, no. No, seriously. Happens. You know the way you're in school and like teachers tell you not to swing back on your chair. Well, like, don't. Sometimes you sometimes you fall over. Oh, oh dude, that's so sad. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, no. yeah, I feel your pain, Chloe. And um, but but yeah, we need to. We really need to talk about the book. Oh my god, like ages so far. So yeah, we've got. Um, we open up the book and we've got three sisters that don't have much money, um, but they've got varying levels of attractiveness. Right. Ever the professional. Thanks a million, Sersh. Um, but yeah, yeah, we've got um, our most attractive sister. She marries one Sir Thomas Bertram of Mansfield Park and becomes Lady Bertram. Our least attractive sister marries one Mr. Norris, the, uh, the rector, clergyman, priest person in Mansfield, and they move into Mansfield Parsonage, the yeah, the, the, the parochial house, if you will. Um, and then our, our middle sister, who's kind of more on the attractive end than the non-attractive end. She marries a naval officer that has zero monies um, and she ends up in a teensy house with him and their 2.5 million kids. And that's, that's a pretty good approximation at last count. Precisely. <laughs> so it comes up that, you know, the, the guilt gets the better of the two um, slightly richer sisters who um, decide to take in one of their poor sisters, 2.5 million offspring. And um, when they take a look at it, they decide maybe the oldest daughter um, is the one to take in. The the eldest son, he's being sent off to the Navy um, to make something of himself. Um, so the, the eldest daughter is available to, to come and is, you know, going to be a companion to Lady Bertram, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that is one young Miss Fanny Price. Are we good? Are we, are we, is that silence I hear? I, I don't have anything else to, to give on this man, seriously. It was a good plan, Sarah, it, it worked. Yeah, like I do, I do think I am Fanny Dow, like there, nothing. Nothing. This is going to go down in the, in the annals of history, uh, Sarah, I mean, well done. Well, well done. Yeah, I, I really do feel like I've achieved something here. I really it's do. It's a huge achievement. You should be extremely proud of yourself. <laughs> yeah, back to the book. Let's let's keep this going. Let's not waste any more time. But um, yeah, yeah, Fanny. Oh, nice work, girls. Very nice. Yeah, Fanny goes to, to Mansfield Park um, to, to live with her aunt and uncle and her cousins. And she is petrified. Oh, the poor thing. I just felt so bad for her. Yeah, it was pretty, uh, it was grim. She's in the house with her aunt and her uncle and four cousins. She's got Thomas and Edmund, um, both a good bit older than her, and then Isabella and Louisa who are around her age, maybe a year or two older. There's actually a really nice section where we see her come into the house and kind of how everyone deals oh, with her. Oh, is that the bit with the letter? Sure is. You want to take Oh my it? God, would that be okay? 
Go for it, man. Oh, yay. Okay. So, as you were saying, this is when Fanny comes to visit um, the, the, the the family, to, well, not visit, to stay with them um, indefinitely. So, she's 10, and um, we'll, we'll go through the ages in a little bit. Um, so, we're getting introduced to the Bertram family to begin with. Um, yes. Okay. They were a remarkably fine family. The sons very well looking, the daughters decidedly handsome, and all of them well grown and forward of their age, which produced as striking a difference between the cousins in person as education had given to their address, and no one would have supposed the girls so nearly of an age as they really were. They were, in fact, but two years between the youngest and Fanny. Julia Bertram was only 12 and Maria but a year older. The little visitor, meanwhile, was as unhappy as possible. Afraid of everybody, ashamed of herself and longing for the home she had left, she knew not how to look up and could barely speak to be heard or without crying. Mrs Norris had been talking to her the whole way from Northampton of her wonderful good fortune and the extraordinary degree of gratitude and good behaviour which it ought to produce, and her consciousness of misery was therefore increased by the idea of it being a wicked thing for her not to be happy. The fatigue, too, of so long a journey became came soon no trifling evil. In vain were the well-meant condescensions of Sir Thomas and all the officious prognostications of Mrs Norris that she should be a good girl. In vain did Lady Bertram smile and make her sit on the sofa with herself and Pug, and vain was even the sight of a gooseberry tart towards giving her comfort. She could scarcely swallow two mouthfuls before tears interrupted her and sleep seeming to be her likeliest friend, she was taken to finish her sorrows in bed." This is not a very promising beginning, said Mrs. Norris when Fanny had left the room. After all that I said to her as we came along, I thought she should have behaved better. I told her how much might depend on her acquitting herself well at first. I wish there might not be a little sulkiness of temper. Her poor mother had that a great deal. But we must make allowances for such a child. And I do not know that her being sorry to leave her home is really against her. For, with all its faults, it was her home, and she cannot as yet understand how much she has changed for the better. But then, there is moderation in all things. It required a longer time, however, than Mrs Norris was inclined to allow to reconcile Fanny to the novelty of Mansfield Park and the separation from everybody she had been used to. Her feelings were very acute and too little understood to be properly attended to. Nobody meant to be unkind, but nobody put themselves out of their way to secure her comfort. The holiday allowed to the Miss Bertrams the next day, on purpose to afford leisure for getting acquainted with and entertaining their young cousin, produced little union. They could not but hold her cheap on finding that she had but two sashes, and had never learned French, and when they perceived her to be little struck with the duet they were so good as to play, they could do no more than make her a generous present of some of their least valued toys, and leave her to herself, while they adjourned to whatever might be their favourite holiday sport of the moment, making artificial flowers or wasting gold paper. Fanny, whether near or from her cousins, whether in the schoolroom, the drawing room or the shrubbery, was equally forlorn, finding something to fear in every person and place. She was disheartened by Lady Bertram's silence, awed by Sir Thomas's grave looks and quite overcome by Mrs Norris's admonitions. Her elder cousins mortified her by reflections on her size and abashed her by noticing her shyness. Miss Lee, the governess, wondered at her ignorance and the maid servants sneered at her clothes. And when to these sorrows was added the idea of the brothers and sisters among whom she had always been important as playfellow, instructress and nurse, the despondence that sunk her little heart was severe. The grandeur of the house astonished but could not console her. 
the rooms were too large for her to move in with ease. Whatever she touched, she expected to injure, and she crept about in constant terror of something or other, often retreating towards her own chamber to cry, and the little girl who was spoken of in the drawing room when she left it at night, as seeming so desirably sensible of her peculiar good fortune, ended every day's sorrows by sobbing herself to sleep. A week had passed in this way, and no suspicion of it conveyed by her quiet, passive manner, when she was found one morning by her cousin Edmund, the youngest of the sons, sitting crying on the attic stairs. My dear little cousin, said he, with all the gentleness of an excellent nature, what can be the matter? And sitting down by her, he was at great pains to overcome her shame in being so surprised and persuade her to speak openly. Was she ill? Or was anybody angry with her? Or had she quarrelled with Maria and Julia? Or was she puzzled about anything in her lesson that he could explain? Did she, in short, want anything he could possibly get her or do for her? For a long while, no answer could be obtained beyond a No, no, not at all, no thank you. But he still persevered, and no sooner had he begun to revert to her own home than her increased sobs explained to him where the grievance lay. He tried to console her. You are sorry to leave mamma, my dear little Fanny, said he, which shows you to be a very good girl. But you must remember that you are with relations and friends who all love you and wish to make you happy. Let us walk out in the park and you shall tell me all about your brothers and sisters. On pursuing the subject, he found that, dear as all these brothers and sisters generally were, there was one among them who ran more in her thoughts than the rest. It was William whom she talked of most and wanted most to see. William, the eldest, a year older than herself, her constant companion and friend, her advocate with her mother, of whom he was the darling, in every distress. William did not like that she should come away. He had told her he should miss her very much indeed. But William will write to you, I dare say. Yes, he had promised he would, but he had told her to write first. And when shall you do it? She hung her head and answered hesitatingly. She did not know. She had not any paper. If that be all your difficulty, I will furnish you with paper and every other material, and you may write your letter whenever you choose. Would it make you happy to write to William? Yes, very. Then let it be done now. Come with me to the breakfast room, and we shall find everything there, and be sure of having the room to ourselves. But, cousin, will it go to the post? Yes, depend upon me, it shall. It shall go with the other letters, and, as your uncle will frank it, it will cost William nothing. My uncle? repeated Fanny with a frightened look. Yes, when you have written the letter, I will take it to my father to Frank. Fanny thought it a bold measure, but offered no further resistance, and they went together to the breakfast room, where Edmund prepared her paper, and ruled her lines with all the goodwill that her brother could himself have felt, and probably with somewhat more exactness. He continued with her the whole time of her writing, to assist her with his penknife or his orthography, as either were wanted, and added to these attentions, which she felt very much, a kindness to her brother which delighted her beyond all the rest. He wrote with his own hand his love to his cousin William and sent him half a guinea under the seal. Fanny's feelings on the occasion were such as she believed herself incapable of expressing, but her countenance and a few artless words fully conveyed all their gratitude and delight, and her cousin began to find her an interesting object. He talked to her more, and from all that she said was convinced of her having an affectionate heart and a strong desire of doing right, and he could perceive her to be farther entitled to attention by great sensibility of her situation and great timidity. He had never knowingly given her pain, but now he felt that she required more positive kindness, and with that view endeavoured, in the first place, to lessen her fears of them all, gave her especially a good deal of good advice as to playing with Maria and Julia and being as merry as possible.
From this day, Fanny grew more comfortable. She knew that she had a friend, and the kindness of her cousin Edmund gave her better spirits with everyone else. The place became less strange, and the people less formidable. And if there was some amongst them who she could not cease to fear, she began at least to know their ways, and to catch the best manner of conforming to them. The little rusticities and awkwardnesses which had at first made grievous inroads on the tranquillity of all, and not least of herself, necessarily wore away, and she was no longer materially afraid to appear before her uncle, nor did her Aunt Norris's voice make her start very much. To her cousins, she became occasionally an acceptable companion. Though unworthy from inferiority of age and strength to be their constant associate, their pleasures and schemes were sometimes of a nature to make a third very useful, especially when that third was of an obliging, yielding temper, and they could not but own when their aunt inquired into their faults, or their brother Edmund urged her claims to their kindness that Fanny was good-natured enough. Whew, right? Oh my goodness, oh, I've got a cramp in my tongue. Sisha, Why do you have to read like into things it's just from talking my goodness Chloe <laughs> let's let's move this on but yeah it's it's super sad that she can't like Fanny can't genuinely deal with all the change to begin with like we were talking before the show um it, it like that particular excerpt kind of like shows up her character really well to begin with like she's so super overwhelmed so easily she's crazy shy she's like the only thing that's really, really important to her is is family. She's not really interested in 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 kind of excitement or or adventure or anything. She she wants to read books and hang out with her family. That's that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And like, it doesn't really matter the nature of that family. She just holds it in like really high regard. You know, she's super devoted to them. Like, you could see that with her aunt Norris. You know, telling her over and over how grateful she should be, and isn't she so lucky to have such nice relations? You know, it's 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 really bad. You know. <sighs> yeah, like I thought that was super messed up. Like aunt Norris genuinely like telling her that she should be grateful and like doing like more work than she's already doing, even when she's like running around after everybody doing everything they're asking her to do. It was it was like pretty much abusive. Abusive, like. Actually, before we get into that, um, that's that's pretty meaty and we're going to want to get like stuck into talking about it. But like we're going to have to take a break before then um, because <gasps> more ads. You're messing. I am not. Denise at Dedoy obviously wanted to correct the issue that happened last week and she sent in the actual ad that she wanted to share. Oh, so it was a mistake then? Yeah, yeah. She was pretty embarrassed about the whole thing, to be honest. I, I just still listened. I mean, pretty decent ad. Like, it's not about what the show was about, but I mean, made me want to listen to it. I mean, did you listen, though? Why do you all not want me to learn them dance routines? Why won't you let me achieve my dreams? What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, have you have you learned any of them, Chloe? That is beside the point, Sarah. It's beside the point, and you know it is. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's take a break right there and see what our mate Denise has to uh, share this week. I hope her brother got that training in. <laughs> right? <laughs> So, like we tried to say last week, it turns out all you need for a call-in show is a phone line and a mic. So, Dedoy is back. Denise Doyle is ready to listen to your socially distanced concerns from within her quarantine compound. Still the converted attic at home. So sit back, get ready, and let's listen to the folks that did decide to call in based on last week's sorry excuse for an ad. So I was waiting in line at Boots to, you know, get some exfoliator because I'd run out and this old woman, like, genuinely tried to grab the mask off my face. You were wearing a face mask? Well, like a protective one, not a skincare one. I mean, I don't think any of my sheet masks would, you know, give me that much protection from COVID-19. It'd be pretty hydrating, though. Well, well, I mean, 
Well, that is a good point. Here, where did you even get a mask, though? I mean, there aren't none that no one can buy. Like, you're being, like, well selfish and stuff. That old lady, like, probably needed it more than you. Like, are, are you in the Illuminati? Are you? Are you in the Illuminati? Whoa, man, seriously. I mean, I... I went to Japan last year. I brought some back with me. They're, you know, they're cool for, you know, on the plane when you don't want to talk to anyone or breathe whatever the fat businessman next to you coughed in your direction. Genuinely, though, what is it with fat businessmen taking your armrest and, like, yeah, coughing on you? It's a declaration of war. I fully endorse spilling orange juice in the lap of any fat businessman that coughs on you on an airplane. Or, you know, on actually any mode of transport. Stall your... You're not in the Illuminati then. That was the that was the only thing you wanted to clarify. Here, you might have been mates with like Beyonce. It's important, like. In fairness, all leads should be followed up when it comes to Beyonce. But, like that's all I'm saying, like. It was probably the most civil exchange we've ever had on Dodoy. You know what that means, folks. You you gotta call in, please. Dodoy, Thursdays. Does she know she's not, like, sharing a number to call in on? I don't... I don't know. Um, should we keep talking about Aunt Norris? Yes, thank you, Sersha. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so before the break, we were talking about Fanny being uprooted from her home to Mansfield to live with her rich relatives. You know, a lovely proposition and one that Fanny was, like, super grateful for. But, you know, being the shy, retiring type she was... She found it kind of hard to adjust and spent, you know, most of her time crying on the stairs. In fairness, though, like, the stairs is a pretty fantastic place to cry. Yeah, the stairs are like the shower. How much crying do you be doing? Like, you know the way, like, every so often you've got a backlog of just, like, feelings. And you've got to, you know, like, wring out the sponge, so to speak. Yeah, or, you know... uh, Less gross analogy. Yeah, I know. It was the best I could come up with. No, no, it's it's genuinely how it feels like. But I just, it would be nice to have like a prettier way to think about it. We were talking about this though. Like Fanny being like so sad and, and sort of waiting for Edmund to to save her and stuff. It's kind of linked in with that whole, you know, just being sad and needing to get stuff out of your system. Like for some people that's, that's, a way to, yeah, purge those feelings, get rid of them. But Fanny kind of seemed to, yeah, want saving, kind of. So, like, she wanted, like, somebody to notice that she was sad and, like, ask her why and all, like Edmund did there. Yeah. So, just, like, Edmund being a decent human person at all. Well, yeah, but, like, that's that's something we'll come back to in a little bit. But, like, other than that, I mean, like... Fanny was quite, like, passive. Like, it's not like she couldn't have spoken up for herself. That did annoy me, actually, yeah. Like, she was always, like, so quiet and sad and all. And, like, I was reading it. Like, here, you could just say, here, Maria, don't be going on like that. Or Aunt Norris, like, back off. Well, you know, we were talking about this before the show. And, like... We were all kind of like railing on Fanny for being like so meek and stuff. But I was thinking about it and like, is being shy like such a sin? Oh, that's a sound bite right there, Sersha. Do you think? Is being shy a sin? 
Yeah, I'd say that's one of the better sound bites we've got so far. <laughs> you guys know. But like, but that's the thing. No, is it though? Is, is it is being shy a sin? You know, like, what is it that annoys you guys about Fanny as a character? I know we've talked about this, you know, before the show. But like, yeah, well, what? let's go through it again. What What annoys you guys about her? Well, like before we were saying there, like she is, she's very like passive. Like it seems that she wouldn't like stand up for herself. Like, yeah, ever. Yeah. That said, though, like going back to what we were talking about before the break, Fanny's, she's been brought to live in this super swish house as a poor relation. Like she's come to live with her rich cousins, get to learn what they learn, live how they live, all that stuff. But like, all the time there's this undercurrent of yeah you know we brought you here you're never going to be as important as your cousins you're here to just kind of get this charitable thing from us you can never be like them uh, like a Miss Bertram whatever like and then on top of that inferiority complex you know which is enough on its own she's got her aunt Norris in her ear like constantly like going on about how she should be super grateful to Sir Bertram Sir Thomas and 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 Lady Bertram like for taking her in in the first place if she steps a foot out of line that ungrateful thing is brought up as well so that's only going to add to the inferiority thing which isn't really going to help with the whole being meek and shy and stuff yeah that's true and like yeah the whole thing with Aunt Norris like getting Fanny to do like pretty much anything she wanted and like saying she was this ungrateful little bitch if she didn't like jump the second she was asked that was you know like I was saying that was that was genuine actual abuse like it was really really hard to read I hear Katie drama much like Jesus everybody has like someone like that in their family right like an auntie or a granny or something like it's always an L one Elfless don't seem to go on about that like that much but like yeah some L1 who's like going on ordering you around like anytime they're visiting your ma or whatever like oh get out there Chloe and take in that washing for your mammy or that'd be great help to her like you know oh would Chloe not wash them dishes sure Chloe run off to the shop there won't you get us a bottle of wine like find young one like that lying around the place oh, of course she'll go off and do that you know everybody do you not have like yeah an auntie or a granny or someone who come around and like be all like that in your face no Oh, you're not serious, Chloe. No one would be that rude. No, no, I have that around here, though. Like, yeah, Mrs. O'Neill that calls her to daddy all the time is like that. In fairness, though, I think she's, like, trying to get rid of me. <laughs> like, try to get her claws into your dad for, like, his millions? Like, you're joking, but seriously, I don't know if she thinks there's money, like, buried under the shed or what the story is, but she's here the whole time giving out about how these young people, and I'm the only young people around... <laughs> You know, how they're buried in books and screens and how they won't walk the length of themselves to do anything. But, you know, I, I genuinely, I genuinely don't know. It's, 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 yeah, it's terrifying. I really wish she would just stop showing up on our doorstep with apple tarts. I've got apple tarts out the arse at this stage and I just can't. That's a, that's a mental image right there, Clay. I didn't intend it as an image um, because, you know, that, that would ruin an apple tart for for anybody really well yes yes it would and uh, it has yeah called the apple tart into question as as a dessert of choice so so thanks for that I can I can only apologise are we really just going to just accept that some people are okay with being horribly rude to people just telling them what to do when they come into their homes like that's that's wild Sirsh, we're gonna have to like accept that you're the exception rather than the rule here like it's not usual for someone's mom to like drive into town to bring them home from college like it's it probably is a lot more usual for somebody to have like an aunt like mrs norris than a mom like your mom it's just 
so sad though. Well, it's sad, but sure, at least it keeps the world interesting. <laughs> I did think it was good, like that most of the characters in the book were like really recognisable like that. Like to the point that only the characters that were like really super morally upstanding were the ones that weren't really recognisable to me. Well, yeah, and the thing is, like Edmund is, is quite serious and morally upstanding, but he did get kind of mixed up by Miss Crawford, um, who's Crawford, sort of said her name weird there. Um, but yeah, she she kind of mixed him up too. So like the only person that didn't get taken in um, and kind of stayed close to their moral compass or whatever was Fanny, really. And actually, do you know what? Before we we carry on, I just realised we're talking about the Crawfords here and we haven't introduced who they were. So before we move on, let's sort of uh, tidy up the plot a little bit. So we've introduced Fanny. She's she's in the house and she knows her cousins and stuff. So let's fast forward a little bit. Everybody kind of hits their teens and and um, is uh, of marrying age. Um, so yeah, they've they've uh, they've all gotten a little bit older. Um, and Sir Thomas is called away to take care of some business in uh, Antigua. Antigua, 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 Antigua. Let me let me check that on Wikipedia. You could just say the Caribbean. Okay, fine. Jesus, he's he's got business in the Caribbean. Presumably slave labor. Presumably, but uh, but we're not talking about that. No, no. But just so that everybody listening is aware, Sir Thomas was one hundred percent in the Caribbean dealing with business on his slave plantation because he was presumably a slave owner. Slaves, human people, owned by someone else. Slavery. You. You feel better? You know, you think I would. <laughs> but yeah, um, Sir Thomas is off being a slave owner in, in the Caribbean. And while he's away, the uh, the young ladies and Fanny are introduced to one Henry and Mary Crawford. Very charming people altogether, full of uh, very charming ideas. Do you not think they were kind of like, remember that thing you were saying about Emma and Jane Fairfax before? They were a bit like that, weren't they? What do you mean? Well, like, remember you were saying that, like, Jane Fairfax could, like, have her own book about her? Like, Miss Crawford could have had her own book about her, too. I would have well read that. Like, she was all, like, smart and witty and all, and, like, her and her brother being more on for, like, just having a laugh and, like, wanting to, like, get married well and all that stuff. Like, yeah, that would have been a pretty fun book to read. That's really interesting, though. And, you know, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the outline blurb thing about you know, Mansfield Park being a satire. Like, it feels like a conscious choice to have this book be a book that's, like, not just about a character that's fun to listen to um, and that goes through some personal growth. Like, that's what Pride and Prejudice and Emma are for. This one, it's kind of more about, like, the other side of that, you know, like, from an outside perspective that's, like, more uh, conscious of, like, being righteous or, like, honest, you know, Fanny's perspective. You know, and when, you know, the, the witty, you know, adventurous side of things, when that goes too far, you know. Sarah, didn't we choose a section for that? Yeah, yeah, we did. We got it coming up, actually, but I just kind of want to um, get us to, to where we need to be in the plot side of things to introduce it properly. Oh, yeah, 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 of course, of course, of course. So, yeah, um, after Mrs. Norris's husband um, snuffs it, um, a new priest, rector, vicar person comes to the Mansfield Parsonage, one uh, Dr. Grant and his wife. 
So his wife, Mrs. Grant, has a half-brother and a half-sister, um, the sexy Mr. Henry and Miss Mary Crawford we mentioned earlier. So yeah, like we said, they're super smart and fashionable and they've lived in London and they pretty much think they're all of that. Like, it's a bit like what it'd be like if I went to Katie's house. Like, they'd be all, oh my God, is that Julie? But like, and Katie'd have to be all, no, it's my best friend, Chloe. Like, hands off, she's mine. I saw her first. You know, that kind of thing. Dude, like, Galway's a city. But like... Don't you live in Spiddledaw? Isn't that in the Gale Tucts? Katie, are you a Gale Gore? No, no, and no. I live outside Spiddle on the Galway side. I do not speak Irish. Like, I have no idea what they're talking about when the new is on. Seriously. <laughs> do you ever watch that? Like, you're trying to figure out what's going on. Like, you'd think we'd remember, like, more of Irish, but it's always like, July, something's happening in July, or maybe it happened last July. Okay, the Taoiseach did something. Taoiseach's already an Irish word, so it doesn't really count. <laughs> nice. Gardy, same goes for Gardy. Slong fall. Goodbye for now. I know yes, that one. So. Yeah. As applicable as Irish language news is to uh, the novel Mansfield Park. Oh, shit. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> no, no, it's grand. But like, maybe for your penance, Clee, you could read the uh, the excerpt after uh, Mr. and Miss Crawford are uh, introduced to our lovely Bertrams. Oh, the punishment fits the crime. Um, <laughs> let's see. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah it's Henry Crawford talking first uh, I like your Miss Bertram's exceedingly sister said he as he returned from attending them to their carriage after the said dinner visit they are very elegant agreeable girls so they are indeed said Mrs Grant and I am delighted to hear you say it but you like Julia best oh yes I like Julia best but do you really for Miss Bertram is in general taught the handsomest so I should suppose she has the advantage in every feature and I prefer her countenance but I like Julia best Miss Bertram is certainly the handsomest and I have found her the most agreeable but I shall always like Julia best because you order me I shall not talk to you Henry but I know you will like her best at last do I not I tell you that I like her best at first and besides Miss Bertram is engaged Oh yeah, Miss Bertram's engaged at this stage <laughs> to Mr. Rutherford. Uh, Rutherford? Anyway. Um, remember that, dear brother. Her choice is made. Yes, and I like her the better for it. An engaged woman is always more agreeable than a disengaged. She is satisfied with herself. Her cares are over and she feels that she may exert all her powers of pleasing without suspicion. All is safe with a lady engaged. No harm can be done. Why, as to that, Mr. Rushworth, Rushworth, that's his name, Mr. Rushworth is a very good sort of young man and is a great match for her. But Miss Bertram does not care three straws for him. That is your opinion of your intimate friend. I do not subscribe to it. I am sure Miss Bertram is very much attached to Mr. Rushworth. I could see it in her eyes when he was mentioned. I think too well of Miss Bertram to suppose she would ever give her hand without her heart. Mary, how shall we manage him? We must leave him to himself, I believe. Talking does no good. He will be taken in at last. But I would not have him taken in. I would not have him duped. I would have it all fair and honourable. Oh dear, let him stand his chance and be taken in. It will do just as well. Everybody is taken in at some period or another. Not always in marriage, dear Mary. In marriage especially. With all due respect to such of the present company as chance to be married, my dear Mrs Grant, there is not one in a hundred of either sex who is not taken in when they marry. Look where I will, I see that it is so. And I feel that it must be so when I consider that it is, of all transactions, the one in which people expect most from others and are least honest themselves. Ah, you've been in a bad school for matrimony in Hill Street. 
my poor aunt had certainly little cause to love the state. But however, speaking from my own observation, it is a manoeuvring business. I know so many who have been married in the full expectation and confidence of some one particular advantage in the connection or accomplishment or good quality in the person who have found themselves entirely deceived and been obliged to put up with exactly the reverse. But what is this but a taken? My dear child, there must be a little imagination here. I beg your pardon, but I cannot quite believe you. Depend upon it, you see but half. You see the evil, but you do not see the consolation. There will be little rubs and disappointments everywhere, and we are all apt to expect too much. But then, if one scheme of happiness fails, human nature turns to another. If the first calculation is wrong, we make a second better. We find comfort somewhere, and these evil-minded observers, dearest Mary, who make much of a little, are more taken in and deceived than the parties themselves. Well done, sister. I honour your esprit de corps. When I am a wife, I mean to be just as staunch myself and I wish my friends in general would be so too. It would save me many a heartache. You are as bad as your brother, Mary, but we will cure you both. Mansfield can cure your both and without any taking in. Stay with us and we will cure you. But they didn't, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's actually, that's, it is a really good point. Like, you know, you can hear there that, you know, first of all, Henry Crawford is, you know, total like pickup artist he's like yeah already kind of saying that you know he prefers girls who are taken because they're like more of a challenge and aren't like throwing themselves at him because every girl wants to throw themselves at him or something and then Mary like yeah is like a total cynic and stuff when it comes to marrying and sees it as like a business transaction kind of and yeah the whole thing about her thinking her intelligence is is much higher than everybody else's she's the cynic and she sees the the real thing that's happening it's yeah it's it's uh they um they 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 did a lot of damage yeah yeah they pretty much got under everybody's skin at Mansfield too like both the Miss Bertrams begin like clawing each other's eyes out for Mr Crawford's attention and then our dear boring Edmund was ever so taken with Miss Mary and her harp playing seriously though could you imagine being able to play the harp you don't fit harp practice in around hockey practice and uh, marathon novel reading search. Uh, ha, 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 ha. There's no hockey practice on right now what with the virus and everything. It's, it's actually really sad. I miss it loads. Aw, there's no jolly hockey sticks for poor search. No, sadness. And I mean, there's no point in like me taking up the harp since I can't invite any eligible young men round to ensnare with my delightful playing. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> she was real funny though, Miss Crawford. Like, no, seriously, I would have liked a book about her. Or like, maybe Emma was kind of the book about Miss Crawford but you know without her you know fuckboy brother <gasps> Chloe you said you weren't going to call him that there's no other word for it no like le- legitimately I have tons of notes in my book that are just captioned NB Henry Crawford being a fuckboy <laughs> So, yeah, we've got two things happening here. So let's start with Miss Crawford and then move on to, yeah, her fuckboy brother. <laughs> but no, she was like a total legend. Like she sort of sounded like the cool type of popular girl, like the one that's like really pretty and all, but like really funny and like smart and all. Yeah, yeah, she was like proper girl crush material. Like that scene where she was like talking about the church, like, oh, mwah. Like we we have that one actually. There's a there's a pretty good oh shit moment in there too for Edmund, like where he comes like face to face with her lack of seriousness in in a real way. God damn you, Edmund! You want to give it a go, okay? Oh, for real? What oh, class? Um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's all the young people. So like yeah, the Miss Bertrams, the Crawfords, Edmund. Um, I think Tom Bertram is away, but Fanny goes as well. Um, so they're all visiting uh, Mr. Rushworth's. Um, uh, house. So yeah, Mr. Rushworth, Miss Bertram's fiance, 
man of respectable fortune and a cavernous void where a personality should exist. <laughs> nice. Okay, so uh, Mrs. Rushworth began her relation. Yeah, so Mrs. Rushworth is Mr. Rushworth's mom. She's showing everybody around the, the house. Um, and right now they're in the house's chapel because this is a house that has a chapel. Um, yeah. This chapel was fitted up as you see it in James II's time, as you know, we're all familiar with that. Um, Before that period, as I understand, the pews were only wainscot. Again, we're all very familiar with that. And there is some reason to think that the linings and cushions of the pulpit and family seat were only purple cloth. Why is this in here, Sarah? And, but this is not quite certain. It is a handsome chapel and was formerly in constant use both morning and evening. Prayers were always read in it by the domestic chaplain within the memory of many, but the late Mr. Rushworth left it off. Every generation has its improvements, said Miss Crawford with a smile to Edmund. Mrs. Rushworth was gone to repeat her lesson to Mr. Crawford, and Edmund, Fanny and Miss Crawford remained in a cluster together. It is a pity, cried Fanny, that the custom should have been discontinued. It was a valuable part of former times. There is something in a chapel and a chaplain so much in character with a great house, with one's ideas of what a good household should be. A whole family assembling regularly for the purpose of prayer is fine. Very fine indeed, said Miss Crawford, laughing. It must do the heads of the family a great deal of good to force all the poor housemaids and footmen to leave business and pleasure and say their prayers here twice a day while they are inventing excuses themselves for staying away. That is hardly Fanny's idea of a family assembling, said Edmund. If the master and mistress do not attend themselves, there must be more harm than good in the custom. At any rate, it is safer to leave people to their own devices on such subjects. Everybody likes to go their own way, to choose their own time and manner of devotion. The obligation of attendance, the formality, the restraint, the length of time. Altogether, it is a formidable thing, and what nobody likes. And if the good people who used to kneel and gape in that gallery could have foreseen that time would ever come when men and women might lie another ten minutes in bed, when they woke with a headache without danger of reprobation because chapel was missed, they would have jumped with joy and envy. Cannot you imagine with what unwilling feelings the former bells of the House of Rushworth did many a time repair to this chapel? The young Mrs. Eleanors and Mrs. Bridget's starched up into seeming piety, but with heads full of something very different, especially if the poor chaplain were not worth looking at. And in those days, I fancy Parsons were very inferior even to what they are now. For a few moments she was unanswered. Fanny coloured and looked at Edmund, but felt too angry for speech, and he needed a little recollection before he could say... Your lively mind can hardly be serious even on serious subjects. You have given us an amusing sketch, and human nature cannot say it was not so. We must all feel at times the difficulty of fixing our thoughts as we should wish. But if you are supposing it a frequent thing, that is to say, a weakness grown into habit from neglect, what could be expected from the private devotions of such persons? Do you think the minds which are suffered, which are indulged in wanderings in a chapel, could be more collected in a closet? Yes, very likely. They would have two chances at least in their favour. There would be less to distract the attention from without, and it would not be tried so long. The mind which does not struggle against itself under one circumstance would find objects to distract it in the other, I believe. And the great influence of the place and of example may often rouse better feelings than are begun with. The greater length of the service, however, I admit to sometimes too hard a stretch upon the mind. One wishes it were not so, but I have not left Oxford long enough to forget what chapel prayers are. Mm. Mm. Ouch, Edmund. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Jesus. remember how they make up after this, though. It's, it's yeah, they are kind of talk. I think he's kind of already forgiven her, like, because you hear it there where you start to like, oh, here, you don't mean what you're saying. You're just 
too funny for your own good. I, I like I'm going to go into the priesthood and you're making fun of me um, without meaning to um, and are kind of being a bitch. But it's because you're so class. <laughs> And then, and then they go out and they're walking around in the, the outside the park and like she's just being all witty and playful and stuff and, and he just kind of forgets about it and uh, yeah it's sort of like here you're too pretty let's ditch Fanny and go for a walk on our own oh my god they do ditch Fanny that's right and then Mr Crawford comes along with Miss Bertram and like walks off on his own with her and stuff and they like yeah they ditch Julia and she like runs after them anyway like a crazed lunatic it's horrible <laughs> yeah we're, we're kind of we're getting into fuck boy territory here oh you're right yeah doesn't he like all come on to to Maria in in the the chapel even though she's all like totally engaged and her future mother-in-law is like standing right there yeah, that is exactly it and your telepathy works wonders for you yet again sir that's the piece I've got right in front of me um, yeah here let's it's only short I'll do it quick um, yeah Mr Crawford smiled and stepping forward to Maria said in a voice which she could only hear I do not like to see Miss Bertram so near the altar Starting, the lady instinctively moved a step or two, but recovering herself in a moment, affected to laugh and asked him, in a tone not much louder, if he would give her away. I am afraid I should do it very awkwardly, was his reply, with a look of meaning. Mm, that's oh, fun. But it's interesting, right? Like, we're kind of back into emotional affair territory right now. Well, like, I mean, at this... Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, it is. There's... Yeah, yes, yes. (laughs) Is that you (laughs) wanting to give, like, a major spoiler and then swallowing it at the last minute? It genuinely was going to, like, jump out of my mouth like a a crazy frog thing. (laughs) What? Crazy frog... Thing. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> but yeah, there's, okay, there's an argument, yeah, for letting folks do what they want. You know, why should women be held to such a standard of propriety? Surely they should be allowed to go for a walk with a guy if they want to, if they're mates. But like on the other side, like clearly, like Maria is openly flirting with Henry Crawford and he's flirting back. Well, he's actually instigating and she's following um, that's just the way it happened in this case. But like, is it okay to be flirting with other blokes when you're already in a committed relationship? And again, Anda, just want to clarify, like, me telling Jane Opa that his handsome face is devastating enough to be weaponized, classed as flirting. Yeah. I think you know the answer to that, Claw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I oh, do, gosh. you know, and, and I am committed to Jungkook Opa, you know, in our and our, our future relationship. <laughs> but like it's this? just it's just hard to accept that I won't be able to share such important information <laughs> with Jin Opa, you know, he needs to know these things. Why? <laughs> so so we're kind of back to to the emotion of the exact same emotional affair stuff we were talking about in our episode on uh, the break by by Marion Keys. Was was that a plug? Well, I mean, like if people want to go back and listen to it, I mean, I'm not going to stop them or anything. Oh, you guys should. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Sergey, <laughs> you're too adorable. Oh my god. Oh, but but no, 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 no. But this is the thing. Like the the Bertrams, for all their being like born into aristocracy and having the best of company and education and all of those things, they're like pretty much taken in by Henry Crawford straight away, you know. And and Fanny, for all of her having come from a poor home and living on the charity of others and generally being fairly insipid, she's you know not taken in by him at all. 
cool and is actually quite staunch in her opinion of him, you know? Yeah, and that's like even later, like she stays like true to like what she thinks about him even later when he's like putting the moves on her and all. Oh my god, that was such like a pickup artist thing to do. Like, doesn't he like come back to Mansfield after being like away in London or something and he's all like, oh yeah, hey, I, I yeah, I'm pretty sure I want to seduce Fanny Price. She's, uh, yeah, that's the challenge that I need to, to surmount right now. Not an exact quote. Also, I'm not sure if it's the correct usage of the word surmount, but yeah, yeah, pretty much is like, uh, that'll put in a few weeks of entertainment. Sign me up. And like, what really does seem to keep him interested is just her saying no to him. It's not anything to do with her and who she is. Yeah, and that like kind of calls into the question, like the whole, oh, don't be too eager with guys or else they'll lose interest thing. Like, from this exploration of whatever it is, blah, 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 blah. Like, based on that like they'll only lose interest if they're more interested in the first place in having caught a girl than being interested in the girl they're catching okay that's a sound bite number two uh contender right there okay you think it's a little clunky i thought we can workshop it i'd say yeah yeah yeah. let me let me look into it (laughs) but like yeah it was a weird book in that like it wasn't really a love story like it was kind of weird to have a main character that like kind of didn't want to be talking like usually when you have like a put upon main character you have like someone who has all this energy or like beauty or like supreme gorgeous gentleness that's gone unnoticed you know your Cinderella's your Sarah Cruz your Beth from Little Women's is that's her full name yeah fairly sure that's her full name (laughs) but yeah to have like a main character that's really quiet that likes her own company and like doesn't have much to say for herself it was It was, yeah, it was odd. Yeah, and like we were saying earlier, it sort of seemed like she was waiting for someone to come and rescue her. Sort of Edmund, really, because, you know, she's mad about Edmund from the beginning when he's, like, kind to her. But that kind of didn't end up being the case. Like, she would have been happy living with her aunt as a companion forever, you know? She just kind of wanted to live according to her own principles and didn't want to be exposed or have her family exposed to principles that 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 are like take on board principles that didn't align with the way people should be living you know like uh, the only thing that seemed to really distress her was was the stuff being done that she yeah she she thought would cause pain down the road because it was like amoral or whatever miss bertram flirting with henry crawford for example or you know the young people taking apart sir thomas's office for their own amusement you know those kinds of things like when she saw edmund like infatuated with miss crawford she wasn't like jealous she just kind of like she wasn't like oh it should be me or anything or oh if only it was me it was more like she wanted him to be with someone that would make him happy and she kind of thought that miss crawford rightly that miss crawford couldn't make him happy because she kind of looked down on him for being like just a clergyman yeah and like fanny almost seemed to be kind of disappointed in edmund for like not being honest with himself kind of like being being making excuses for for miss crawford you know for for her being very clear about the fact that she uh, didn't give a shit about like what he wanted to do or the things that were important to him like yeah honesty and 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 kind of uh, sensible living and stuff which is yeah boring but like necessary for you know society to work we need those people around and yeah fanny was kind of yeah disappointed in edmund that he couldn't see that or he was so taken in by how charming Miss Crawford was she he couldn't see that he wouldn't be happy with her long term because it seemed like kind of being honest with herself and living honestly that seemed to kind of be the most important thing for Fanny 
it would have been nice if like she wasn't so like hung up on what other people thought particularly like what other people thought of her that seemed to really bother her if yeah people thought badly of her yeah I was just thinking that like yeah she was like super shy and quiet and all and like had all them principles and all that you were saying but like when people like misunderstood her and stuff like she'd be so upset that like people were thinking she was like ungrateful or like nasty or stupid or something but like you were just saying there clearly like if she was being honest with herself and everybody else like who cares if they get it wrong like that's that's their business she's still the one who's like being all honest and principled and perfect and all that kind of stuff and not having a laugh ever but like yeah what she doesn't have no control over what other people think like why is that such a big deal if they're all there going off and he's all ungrateful but she knows she's not you know that's their problem yeah yeah I suppose I hadn't really because yeah I could kind of see where she was coming from like that that she was putting all this work in and people kind of thought that she wasn't but I suppose I hadn't yeah I hadn't thought about that I really like your idea of like it not being a love story though, Clay, because like the ending wasn't very love story I remember being kind of disappointed with that. But like the pre-ending, like the sort of bit just before the ending, that was that was pretty exciting. Like I'd forgotten that there was such a big thing that happens. <laughs> like maybe my 12-year-old brain couldn't like handle that it was such a big deal in the context because like I was reading this and watching Grey's Anatomy at the same time. <laughs> nice. But yeah, yeah, the, I know what you're saying though, Sarah. Yeah, the, the the pre-prescribed kind of happy ending at the end, like it was a bit, yeah. And then this happened, it's over. <laughs> yeah, but like a big persuasion style emotional thing might have like taken away from the more serious stuff that was in there. Yeah, probably, yeah. So like, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, not, not a love story, not really. Unless you count Fanny's relationship with herself. Like, I'd have liked that to be clearer, but you know, Fanny does get more comfortable with herself as time goes on and she kind of gets proof of her good judgment through the book and kind of she gets rewards for yeah living honestly like we were saying you know there's there's kind of a mini arc in there about like self-acceptance or being true to yourself or something yeah Personally, I think you're reaching a little, but no, yeah, I like it. And, you know, let's be real, Sarah. I mean, your favor is the only thing I'm after here. Oh! <laughs> Burn. Jeez, I thought we weren't going to get a Saoirse comeback today, and there it is. Oh my God, I love it! <laughs> okay, all right. We've, we've managed way more today than I thought we would, which is pretty cool. And we still didn't talk about everything. Jesus. I genuinely don't know why I thought this would only give us a half an hour of material. I'm so, so sorry, everyone. <laughs> but yeah, like, so yeah, I guess our main points are we are all a little bit in love with Mary Crawford. Um, Henry Crawford is a fuckboy. And this book is pretty much all about them with a little bit about Fanny and her personal growth. And uh, am I going to get a medal for not laughing about uh, Fanny and personal growth being in the same sentence? Well, I mean, I'm going to have to post it to you given the quarantine situation. No presentation ceremony. But like... How are people going to know that I got a bigger bunch of flowers than Katie? Okay, everybody, let's uh, let's do some Easter eggs before we finish Don't up. Don't divide the subject, Sarah. Cleona, do you want to start? Sarah! <laughs> yeah, I can start. Um, there's, a, there's a pink satin cloak in there that I, uh, I'm very partial to, that I enjoyed hearing about. 
Oh, that was so funny. That poor man. I felt so bad for him. Hey, don't. He was having the time of his life, man. <laughs> Too true. Kay, what do you think? Well, there was a closed bonnet that, that pissed me right off. That was Mary Crawford not being my girl crush for like a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a bit flip about that whole thing. Like, she was probably like just like the folks she was talking about. Hey, I got the feeling that like the person she was talking to was the person she was talking about. And she was like laughing at them to herself. It was like decidedly uncool. Hmm, I didn't see it that way. That's actually kind of cool. Anyway, um, search. Um, there were a bunch actually. Like there were loads that I kept coming across. Like there was a lieutenant's uniform. There was a green baize curtain that almost made the cut. But for me, there was a fire lit by someone unexpectedly that was just lovely. And you know, I think people should you know look out for for that. Oh yeah, that was nice. <laughs> you guys and uh, Chloe. Right. So this week I decided that a person can be an Easter egg. Uh, Chloe, that's not what we... Uh, too uh, late, too late. I don't have anything else. So, what I want people to be looking out for is a trollopy-looking maidservant. Seriously, I, I read that and like thought straight away, Chloe is going to lose her mind when she reads that sentence. I swear, I was laughing for like 10 minutes straight. Like, now and from now on, like, I have to call one person a day trollopy-looking or my blood sugar goes desperately low. I could faint. <laughs> should, should we be worried? Like An excellent question, Kleena, but no, I caught Kylie using my bronzer this morning, so today she our trollop of the day so yeah use our off the who anyway and just to, to finish this off before we go any further down this spiral um there is a quantity of claret drunk daily that uh, that uh, that i enjoyed seeing so you know um that's that's in there take a look but um you guys jesus we've been talking for ages and we have another ad um coming up that someone else sent us in uh someone that we had on before um let's let's see how they're getting on but um yeah we, we better get do- get done um thanks so much for listening you guys uh we'll see you all next week for more chiclet for life i assume we're gonna do northanger abbey next what do you think sir yeah i mean i i can't say you know if it's going to be an hour or not because i was so completely wrong about this one so yeah absolutely <laughs> You are painfully adorable. <laughs> so, yeah, Northanger Abbey next week, you guys. Uh, tune in. Thanks for listening. Uh, let's get back uh, next Wednesday for more Chick Lit for Life. What's the story? Uh, this is Tommy at Two Tours One Shine, and I'm here to tell you that we uh, have loads of shit left over from when we did the whole college thing and it all went to the wall and all. Uh, now that everybody's gonna die and everything, we thought, yeah, let's make a bit of scratch before, you know, zombies. Uh, so, so yeah, do you need the tires or chains replaced on your bike? Or, like, is the bell not working? Or is the, like, I don't know, is the seat, like, loose? Do you not enjoy your bike? Okay, if so, Anto will stall it down to your gaff in his uncle's van and we'll sort you out. Leave your boy guest it and our crack team will do the, like, what, whatever it is you told us to do and all. And, you know, we'll spread down with, like, death hall and stuff. How are you going to say about that vape oil my dad's trying to shift? Like, no, like, wait until the next ad, man. Jesus Christ, like, one thing at a time. Fuck. Oh, shit, is that still going? Uh, yeah, uh, two tours. One, our prices cannot be bet. Two tours. One change.